Matt, do you have any ideas on how what we can talk about about how to spend money? Or you have any uh, experience in that neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, not quite as much as my wife, but I do have some. Had to drop that in. Welcome to the Mach One Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach One Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach One Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at mach1fg.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. Well, welcome to episode number 75 of the Mach 1 Market Moment. And today's kind of apropos. We're talking about money. Mach 1, Market Moment, money. We're talking about spending money today, specifically in retirement. We're basically going to be talking about withdrawal strategies. You've accumulated this huge nest egg. So, how are you going to spend it? Matt, do you have any ideas on how what we can talk about, about how to spend money? Or you have any uh, experience in that neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, not quite as much as my wife, but I do have some spend. <laughs> Had to drop that in there. There's a lot of different strategies when it comes to how to spend money. And I know that kind of may sound kind of weird, but you've accumulated and invested and saved all this money. Now, how do you start to unwind it? How do you spend it and take money out to, to live life? A lot of different strategies. We're going to get into some of the, um, I guess, more commonly known ones today. Well, you see it all the time, Matt, with clients. We see it. We hear it at seminars. Uh, people always worry, do I have enough? And once they have, quote, enough, then spending it becomes a real issue. Uh, a lot of people, you know, save, 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 save their whole life. And then now it comes time to start spending it. And, you know, you look at all kinds of research. Um, one here from the American College of Financial Services says, of retirees are uncomfortable watching their nest egg get smaller. Well, heck, what do you save the money for if you're not going to spend it? But we see it all the time. I know you see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's such a big shift for people that you're used to taking money out of your paycheck to save it and watching your accounts grow. And uh, the whole idea of doing the opposite and watching your accounts go backwards is that's a... There can be a lot of fear and anxiety around that for a lot of people naturally. So if you have a strategy and know exactly why you're doing it and what you're what you're doing and all of these things, then I think that tends to give people a little more confidence and take away that anxiety. If you're just kind of going into it blind and you don't have a strategy, then I can see why you'd be afraid to touch it, right? Exactly. And another research, the American College of Financial Services, which Matt knows really well, says retirees often exhibit behavior preferences that make them far more comfortable spending from income rather than their assets. Guaranteed income, like Social Security, or if they've got a pension, or they may have a annuity, uh, something that they know they're going to get a paycheck every single month, they're real comfortable spending that. But if they have to spend it out of their assets and see those go down, 
they're not as comfortable, and they could be the same dollar amount. So we're going to get into some of those today. Uh, a couple things to consider to start with would be what we just mentioned, Social Security. Yeah. Yeah, so really in, in retirement, you, you want multiple sources of income, ah. ideally, right? So a lot of people have to rely on Social Security either in a big way or even exclusively maybe. So, right, we're not talking about those situations because that's your only option. But if you have if you have some assets, you have retirement savings, maybe you have some rental properties, maybe whatever it may be, you really want multiple streams of income, two, uh, really three or four to be exact, Um so that you're not too dependent on one source of income. So like Mike said, maybe that's maybe that's funding a lifetime income annuity. Maybe it's buying a couple rental properties. Maybe it's a pension that you have. Whatever it may be, you can there's a couple different strategies. Um, but you really want to start with what basic income do you need and how are we going to make sure that we have that amount coming in 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 a guaranteed way or near guaranteed way as consistently and predictably as possible. And, and some of those that are guaranteed, Social Security, you know, it's not going broke. We may get a reduction in benefits, but it's not going broke. So that's a guaranteed as long as the federal government's around. It does have a cost of living increase on it. Inflation, we're all concerned about inflation right now. So we know that's that's one source of income. Matt, you mentioned two or three. All right, if you got a pension, right. another guaranteed. Now, we think it's guaranteed, but it's only guaranteed by the backing of whatever company you had the pension from. Right. So if you have a pension through General Motors and they go bankrupt, well, your pension goes with them because it's an asset of their company. All right. So pension, most of them stick around. And there is a pension fund out there, too, by the government that, again, it could be, most of it could be guaranteed. You mentioned annuities, lifetime income benefit annuities or annuitizing an annuity. That's another one. Uh, so those are some guaranteed pieces of income. Now we're going to start talking about what if you have a nest egg and now you want to get some income off of that. Another one could be rental property. That's some passive income. That's, so that's another source of income. Right. And then we get to our assets, your, your IRAs, your 401ks, your Roth IRAs. Um, how do you spend those down in an efficient manner? Well, we're going to go over several options. And please don't take any of these as run out and do it. You need to sit down with someone like us, a fiduciary financial advisor that has your best interest at heart and work through your situation and then determine what is the best strategy for you. And the best strategy this year might not be the same strategy for next year. And we'll explain that. All right, Matt, you ready to get going? Absolutely. All right. Let's pick off one that a lot of people have heard of. What is this thing called the 4% rule? Yeah, so the 4% rule is basically looking at how what percentage of our portfolio can we withdraw every year and not run out of money and have enough money or however you want to look at it. Right. So if, and it, it's going to depend on your time horizon. It's going to depend on how you're, how you're invested. It's going to depend on what kind of legacy you leave. So this, this percent percentage withdrawal is going to be, I think different for everybody, but the 4% rule, I watched a webinar really goes back to, Going back over the last like hundred years, looking at 30, 30 year rolling returns, what is the lowest percentage that someone could take over, you know, historically and still be fine and not withdraw their assets down too quickly? And that's where where they landed on the four percent rule. Now, there's been a lot of talk around lately with the interest rates where they're at, not being able to earn the tape the type of rates you you used to could have on your safer investments. CDs, bonds, fixed income, annuities, whatever those may be. There's been question on, can you still take out 4%? 
or does it need to be lower? So we're not going to get into that today, but that's what the 4% is. So if you have a million dollar portfolio, you can take off 4% or $40,000 a year. And if that, porf- if that portfolio grows or if it decreases, then the income that you're taking out is going to increase or decrease with it because your percentage is going to stay at that 4%. The key term I believe on here is a rule of thumb. Yeah. So if you think, well, how much can I take out from my assets and be okay? Again, you got to consider all your other incomes that we've talked about earlier. If you can take 4% off or less, then your money should, quote, should, last you the rest of your life. That's what the 4% rule is. So if you're looking at your plans and it's taking out 15% a year, uh, you might want to revisit that plan. That may be a little bit steep. Okay, Matt, uh, I know I've used this. You probably have too. What's the bucket approach? Yeah, the bucket approach is having specific dollars set aside for specific points in time um, over your lifetime. So you have like short-term money, mid-term money, long-term money. You can have even... uh, uh, never use money, kind of a fourth bucket, legacy bucket, right? So you can break it out how many, however you want, and maybe your short-term money is zero to five years, and your mid-term money is five to ten or five to fifteen, and you just specifically allocate a certain amount of money to take care of that time period. So your short-term money would obviously be very, very conservative, conservatively invested because you're going to use it in the near future. Your your medium-term money. Middle of the road money might be kind of moderately conservative, right? You have some time horizon on it. You can take a little bit of risk, but you want to be conservative and because um, you are going to need to stay t- start taking withdrawals in the medium term. And then the long term money is, hey, we're not we're not planning on touching this for ten or fifteen years, maybe. So we can afford to take risk. We can invest and give it the opportunity to grow. And this can be a really effective approach in the right situations for people that, that have very specific goals or wanting to accomplish specific things, um, we can break it up and really be specific on how much risk you need to take and how to how and when to spend the money. Again, disclaimer, don't run out and do this unless you have a plan that helps that someone helps you put this into place. I know that we just did this recently with a client. I mean, they've got some money basically sitting in cash because it's like three years worth. The next three years worth, we have some guaranteed, multi-year guaranteed annuities. So for the first six years of this period of time, they don't have a thing to worry about. And then the third bucket's kind of like their never money. Money they're probably never going to use and never going to get to, uh, depending on their age. Right. So uh, the bucket approach can be very effective, depending put to use in the right circumstances. All right, Matt. There's another approach called the fixed amount per year approach. What is that? Yeah, well, it's just like the 4% rule, right? It's a fixed percentage where this way, this might be you're going to take a fixed dollar amount. So let's say you use that same million-dollar portfolio, and let's use the same $40,000. Maybe that's the amount that we're going to take out of every year. Now the only difference is as your account ebbs and flows or increases and decreases, you're going to continue taking out the same $40,000 um, even if your balance is higher or lower. And so obviously that can be beneficial if your account's growing. You're actually taking off less than you would be if it was a fixed percentage. But it could be detrimental if you're taking out a fixed dollar amount and your account is going backwards because um, you're taking out the same amount of money off a smaller and smaller portfolio. I think it's a good place to throw in here another research by the Employee Benefit Research Institute. They found that people that have a that have a nest egg of at least a half a million dollars or more in retirement, they spent down less than twelve percent over twenty years. 
So you got a nest egg of a half a million dollars, Matt. You're worried to death you're going to spend it, and 20 years goes by, and you still got 88% of it left over, and you've missed out on maybe living. And another piece from this, the director of consumer research at Jackson National Life Insurance says, you know, doing activities and living and doing things like that, his quote is, you live longer if you have purpose in life, and purpose isn't free. If you don't get out and have fun and do things and have a reason for living and spend some of that money, it could have an adverse effect on your cognition. You could have cognitive decline by not getting out and getting involved. So th there's a real risk here for people that are really too worried about spending their money. Yeah, you don't want your money to control you, right? At the same time, you don't want your money to just disappear. You don't want the lack of money controlling you either. So. Right, right, exactly. And this, this little clip that uh, Matt put together for us, I think, does a good job explaining that. Go for it, Matt. I got a $100 check from my grandma, and my dad said I need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years. Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Yeah, that's not. That's what we want to make sure we guard against, right? Is that we, there's a plan that we don't have to worry about waking up one day and it just being gone. Right. That's the fear I think everybody has when it comes to retirement. So we talked about the 4% rule. We've talked about the bucket approach, having money in different buckets. We just talked about, okay, I've got this nest egg. I'm, I want this much every year, exact amount I'm going to take out every year. Right. All right. Another one's called the fixed percentage per year. Uh, I'm assuming that the name tells us what it is. This would be the same as the 4% rule, right? So you just, you're choosing, you're not choosing maybe 4%, but you're choosing 7% or 2% or you're fixing the percentage. The The downside to the percentage, you know, all of these have pros and cons and they're different. They're appropriate for different people. The problem with the fixed percentage is if your income is, if your portfolio is growing or, or decreasing, so is the income that you're taking, right? So if, you're in, if your portfolio is decreasing, and your percent is staying the same, that your withdrawal, that means your income is decreasing. So you have to be someone that in retirement is okay with f fluctuating income levels, right? Versus the fixed dollar amount withdrawal. Like I said, the, the downside is if your portfolio is going through a rougher stretch of time, you're still taking out the same dollar amount. That can really eat into the portfolio pretty quickly. The benefit is you have a, you're, you're living off the same money, right? You don't have to worry about fluctuating income. So there's advantages and disadvantages to all these strategies and the fixed percentages is just figuring out a percentage that you feel like is safe maybe it's the four percent maybe it's higher or lower let's go over one more matt it's called the systematic withdrawals where you pull money off of the growth and you never touch the principal how does that work well this would obviously have to be with someone who has the ability to do that right who has the ability to maybe take more money out or could use more money in one year maybe Maybe a certain year they don't have any growth. Can they go without taking any income out, right? So this would be for someone who has that kind of flexibility. And one thing to keep in mind with all of these strategies is the sequence of returns when you get into retirement is is extremely important. So how you're taking money out, how you go about that is is obviously important like we talked about. But the, the, re, the timing of the returns that you get is crucial. An example, I sat through a webinar last week from Schwab in their, their 2021 impact conference. And Michael Kitsis got into this and was explaining, gave an example of 1969 to 1999 and the impact that the sequence of returns would have on a retiree 
over that time period. And so the example was somebody that this, they started with, I think, it, I believe it was like a million dollars. Okay. And the returns from 69 to 99, they were pulling off income. They, it got them to where they were broke within like 10 years. Oh my. Okay. Cause the late sixties, Early in the 70s, you remember higher inflation. Not, I do. Not I was returns. in high school yeah. at that time, Matt. Where were you? <laughs> I was I was still a thought. Um, so you, they were broken 10 years. Now, the interesting thing is if you flip those returns, so the exact same average rate of return, but you flip them so the, the first year was the year of returns of, that happened in 1999 and you went backwards, that same client ended up with over a million dollars left after spending all of their retirement and after taking all the income out and, and they had over a million dollars left versus being broke in 10 years. Same exact returns, just in a different sequence. And what you're talking about there, Matt, is so important is, you know, when does it take place? You have a bunch of negative returns right at the beginning of your retirement. That is devastating. Right. But that goes back to what we talked about earlier, not having all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Having some guaranteed income, whether it be Social Security, pension, as annuities, having some cash sitting on the sidelines. We're talking about that bucket approach now. And then taking some from your assets. So now all of these that we've talked about here today, does not mean that you come in and you sign up for one of these? I only want to do the 4% rule. It's situational, right? We, right. Clients can change this from year to year, month to month, whenever, correct? Yeah, I mean, it is situational. It's client-specific for sure. You want to put together a strategy, you know, that you you foresee working over the longer term, but not being so rigid and, and uh, stuck in that that you're not able to adjust and adapt for sure. And, um you know, every, every client situation is different. And you were talking about how you don't want to see big negative returns early in retirement. I think that's 100% true. I always talk to clients about, and David uses the term like the retirement red zone. I give this, I tell people that there's a 10-year window when the returns are, are really more important than they ever have been and ever will be. And it's like four or five years before retirement, four or five years after retirement. And that's when you throw in, when you run the numbers and you throw in like bigger losses or big, bigger market uh, downturns, that's the worst time for them to happen. There's a lot of research that says, that shows maybe we can even actually get more aggressive as we get further and further into retirement versus starting retirement too aggressive and working backwards. And so just something to be aware of. You want to be cognizant of how important sequence of returns is. You want to have a, a good income withdrawal strategy in place, knowing that, hey, if situations change, we might have to adapt and adjust along with them. It kind of boils back to what we've always said here at Mach 1. you got to have a plan. Uh, if you aim at nothing, you'll surely hit it. You've heard that from us here before, Zig Ziglar's quote. So you got to have a plan. Uh, and, and plans do change. Just like last year, Matt, I know several clients. Uh, last year, we you know, we had COVID and the market downturn in March. But it came back, it came roaring back. Right. And the market, our clients, did very well last year. And they did so well, it's like, hey, we weren't expecting this. Some of them decided to go buy a car. Some helped with their grandchildren with going to college. Some planned another trip. Haven't taken it yet, but they planned a new trip. But, but you can do those things situational as things happen. So, all right, so today's discussion has been about how do we t spend money in retirement, and we should. That's what we've saved it for. We've given you some withdrawal strategies, the 4% rule, the bucket approach, 
the fixed amount per year, the fixed percentage per year, and just systematic withdrawals. Don't ever touch the principal, just take whatever the growth is. And then a mixture of all of the above. Matt, like you said earlier, you, you need several streams of income in retirement. Don't just depend on one thing because you never know what that one thing could happen. All right, we always like to end the Mach 1 market moment with a thought of the day. And today it comes from James Cameron. Hope is not a strategy. Luck is not a factor. And fear is not an option. Hope is not a strategy. Luck is not a factor. Fear is not an option. If you're thinking about you're close to retirement, you're in retirement, you're concerned about how to spend your money, see someone like us here at Mach 1. Get a fiduciary financial advisor that'll do what's in your best interest and create that plan. And then on a regular basis, update that plan. We hope to have you join us again here at the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com slash disclosures.